everyone. Welcome to Soulmates Podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Rachel. Today, we're going to review a Thai horror film called Inhuman Kiss. And my god. <laughs> it's a trip. It's a trip, and there is kissing. Lots of smooching for a horror film. Yeah. This is available on Netflix, which is where we found it. Yes. And it is a horror film. Yes. <laughs> yeah. On Netflix, it just basically categorizes it as an international film, but it's also horror. It was released on March 14th, 2019, so it's fairly recent. It was selected as the Thai entry for the Best International Film Feature at the 92nd Academy Awards, but it was not nominated. Which, honestly, might not even be their fault. There's a big stigma against horror films being nominated for awards, so... Nominating this movie, though, is very ambitious. Yeah, I wouldn't say necessarily that this deserved a nom, mm-hmm. but I'm just saying in general that horror films, even well-produced ones, they're like, oh, it's horror, so fuck it. Yeah. 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 Which is wrong. So This film was directed by C.T. Siri, Monkle Siri, and I hope I pronounced that right. We are not native Thai speakers. <laughs> yeah, all of the actor and actresses' names just... Be kind to us, because we didn't hear them spoken aloud, and we couldn't really find a source where they were spoken aloud. So, mm-hmm. we know the character names. So the Netflix two-sentence plot summary kind of made this seem like it was half romance, half, like, supernatural horror. That is not true. <laughs> yeah, I would say it's more like 30% romance, 70% horror. There are three main characters. Two boys and a girl, Sai, Noi, and Jerd, and they are all childhood friends. Sai is cursed and basically becomes a floating head demon lady who eats like live animals and people, called a Kurasu. The opening scene basically tells you how she becomes this way, but they're children and they find like a witch's house in the middle of the woods and they go into like the haunted room. And this older Krasu, who's basically the only form that was left behind of her was her head. She came up and then she kissed Sai. Mm-hmm. But Sai does not remember that because I guess she, like, passed out afterwards. But the saliva transfer between her and the Krasu, that saliva exchange, made her into a Krasu. They don't show you until, like, the last third the process of side transforming. You kind of see her before or, like, immediately after it's over and there's just, like, blood everywhere. And, like, she has these bulging veins in her chest and she's breaking out in this red rash. It was insane. I would say this was at the level of Hemlock Grove werewolf transformation. Yeah. It was that hardcore. Her head pops off her body violently, and it has, like, a heart ball sack. <laughs> That's, yeah. I was like, oh my god! And, like, we know what they look like. We know that they're floating heads. Yeah. But, like, I was not ready for the decapitation that happened. From the beginning of the movie, you don't get a full-on glimpse of the Krasu until much later in the movie. So, at the beginning, it just looks like a ghostly head. That may or may not have a body. And then from then on, it's just kind of like this red floating orb with tentacles. Yeah. You don't really get a good look at the face of the Krasu 
until the very end of the movie, which Emily was just talking about, where you can see it literally detach from her body. Because in the beginning of the movie, it just looks like she's bent over backwards on a bed and her head is hanging down past the bed, and you can't see it. That's kind of what it looks like. So without giving away too, too much, let's do like a very brief plot summary. We told you guys about the beginning. Yeah, so the very beginning is them as children going into the house. You don't see the thing kiss Sai until much later in the movie, but that's what happens. Uh, she basically goes into the haunted room, looks in the haunted chest, and then passes out. Then it flashes forward, I don't know, like eight years. They never really go over their ages, but they seem like they're five or six mm-hmm. when they go into the house. And then when they flash forward in time, they could be anywhere from 16 to 18, 19 years old at this point. We also couldn't figure out what time period this was. We think it's in World War II era. And that's just because the only outside world reference they make is the fact that Bangkok was going through a series of bombings. Now, there have been modern bombings of Bangkok in, like, 2015, but not on a huge, like, devastating scale, which is the scale that they were talking about. And they kept saying when the war is over. And the only war that happened in Bangkok was World War II. So that's what led us to believe that, but in general, the story is completely separate from the outside world and timeline. It's set in a very rural, remote village in Thailand. Yeah, they use gas lanterns, Mm -hmm. things like that. It's very rural. And we're not saying that, you know, it couldn't be later than the 40s, especially because the fashions don't seem like they're so old-timey. They're just, like, button-down shirts and shorts, which could kind of be at any, any time because it's it's hot in Thailand. But we think it is World War II era. Yeah, and also because the main methods of transportation was foot, horse, or boat. Like, wood boat. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what led us to believe that. But again, it doesn't really have that much of a bearing on the story. Mm-mm. It kind of has a bearing for, like, the setting of where it's at. But basically, think of a remote village in Thailand. That is where it is set up. And it is not modern times because nobody has access to, like, cell phones, electricity, that sort of a thing. We're talking gas only. At one point, I'm like, why don't they just, like, set up a security camera to see if she is this demon? And I'm like, wait a minute. We don't know what time this is. There might not be security cameras. And, you know, there weren't. There, so. Yeah, there definitely weren't. They did have guns, but they were large guns. It wasn't like anyone had a handgun or anything like that. So, again, all going into the setting. Okay, so they flash forward from them being children to them being, like, let's say late teens. And it opens with Sai seeing blood in the spot where you would normally find blood on your bed if you leaked through your underwear because of your menstrual cycle. So me and Emily were like, oh, it's her first period at 16 years old? (laughs) Question mark. I mean, it's not outside the realm of possibility, especially if you're pretty thin and maybe malnourished, which she could have been. She was very thin, but who knows? Anyway, so it flashes to that. And she's kind of, like, confused, but she cleans up the bed and goes about her day. Her parents are not in the village because they are doctors, and they're helping other people. So they're helping in the war zone, basically. So she's living with her grandma, and she is in charge of maintaining their local medical center slash hospital, even though she is not technically a nurse yet. 
she knows enough to at least maintain that facility and help with little things. Yeah, she administers first aid a couple of times in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, like pulling glass out of a little boy's knee and stitching it up and that sort of a thing. Mm -hmm. So from there, she meets back up with one of the boys from the very beginning. One of the boys who is actually kind of like the antagonist in the first scene. Who's kind of like, come on, guys, and then laughs at them like, haha, it's a haunted house. <laughs> a literal haunted house. <laughs> yeah. So he he comes out shirtless. He's pretty much shirtless the entire movie, and he is very ripped, so nice <laughs> to look at. He comes out of nowhere, and he's basically like, you know, Sai, come hang out with me. And this is Jerd. Jerd is like, Sai, ignore your duties at the hospital. Just come play with me all day. And she's like, no, 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 I have to do this. I have to do this. And then it becomes closer to nightfall, and she starts to feel really ill, clutches her chest, and goes back to her house. This is where things get interesting. <laughs> so, basically, she clutches her chest, feels very ill. We see nothing. And then in the morning, her mosquito net that she has over her bed was thrown to the side. The window that she had locked was busted open. And she was like, what the fuck? <laughs> And then the blood spot underneath her was even larger. And she was really freaked out, obviously, but washed her sheets and kind of continued on with her day again. So the people of the village come out and they're like, all of my chickens are dead. It must be uh, Krasu. We need to send the men out to find this and kill it tomorrow night. They're like telling everybody to lock their doors, lock their windows. Hide your kids, hide your wife. <laughs> um... <laughs> So they do that, and they go out again, and Sai does the same thing. She locks her window. She puts her mosquito net over her bed. She wakes up the next morning to her window being ripped open, her blinds all askew, her mosquito net askew, everything. And she's like, what the fuck? And the blood underneath her is bigger. So this time they go out, and they see that a baby cow has been slaughtered by this crossu. So then a band of men come into the village with their old friend Noi, who led them there, and they're like, oh, we know exactly what to do. We've killed many Krasu before. Look at their heads. And they have their heads in, like, cages. They're like shrunken heads. Yeah. <laughs> they make a big show of, like, all the guns that they have, and they enlist all the men in the village to try to help them find this Krasu. Meanwhile, Sai is freaking the fuck out because she knows, she has figured out that she is the Krasu just because she's vomited up blood, all the blood in her bed, and she's freaked out. So by this point, we've seen her do the whole transformation and we know that it's her. So she lives in fear and the band of guys that comes in see her head flying around at night and they try to shoot at it and try to kill her. Noi is out in the field, like, doing some sort of gas experiment in the middle of the night because he is a scientist slash man who's very interested in medicine and science. So he's out in the field trying to figure out what's going on. And this is the other childhood friend. Jerd is with the hunting men. So Noi sees her head fly above, and he's like, what the fuck is that? Because he didn't believe that Krasu were real. He's like, that's a legend, that's not real, and I'm gonna prove it. Like, with these books, I'm going to prove that this is all a hoax and everyone is, like, being hysterical. Yeah, so he sees this thing fly above him and he's like, holy shit, what the fuck is that? So he drops his experiment and runs after the flying orb, what he can see. And then he realizes it's a head and he sees it fly into Sai's window. And he's like, uh, fuck. 
I gotta go rescue this girl that I like. So he, like, slams a ladder against the side of her house and climbs up it just in time to see Sai's head return to her body and her to sit up and look horrified and him to also look horrified. At this point in the movie, there's a very clear uh, love triangle between Sai, Noi, and Jerd. Jerd, who is in the hunting party, and Noi, who is now trying to protect Sai. It's a lot. Yeah, a key player and plot mover of this story is a monk who lives very nearby to this village. Noi goes to this monk for advice because he just doesn't know what to do about the spiritual matter. He's like, I know that Krasu are bad and they kill these livestock, but this is my friend. Mm -hmm. I don't want to just kill my friend. My friend would not do stuff like this. So the monk basically gives him the lowdown on Krasu. He says, they're generally benevolent spirits. They're generally not going to hurt people. But sometimes they will, depending on what the situation is like. Yeah, he's like, Krasu have been here as long as humans. And most of the time, we're not fighting with each other. And he's even like, you know, why don't you just give her something to eat? Yeah. (laughs) Which is like, oh yeah, the solution. And he also says that there is male and female versions of this demon sort of thing, which is very important. Yes. So Noi is like, all right, so I will feed her then. So he makes a routine of laying out dead chickens and things for the Krasu to eat. And this makes Sai very happy. You see the Krasu like extend its tentacles and like eat the chicken that he leaves. And then you see her face pop up and she's like, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, it's pretty cute, but it's still dangerous because she's transforming and her head is still flying about a little bit to eat, and this hunting party is still after her. From these scenes, you realize that even when her head is like a floating demon monster lady, she still seems to have some of the personality traits as Psy, and seems to know what's going on, and is choosing not to, like, maul Noi. Yeah. Psy even says, like, I know monsters are real now, and I know that they have, like, feelings. I was like, damn, that's deep. So from here, we're not going to go too much more into the plot, but just know that the hunting gets a lot more intense, and the love triangle gets a lot more intense. One spoiler that I will reveal is that Jerd knew that she was a Krasu all along. So that only intensifies the shittiness of the love triangle that happens in this movie, and you will see the male Krasu come into play. Mm-hmm. And the monk also comes back into play in a very badass way. I was just like, damn! Damn, okay! We will say that the ending is a little sad, but it, to me, was a satisfying ending to the movie. I was honestly shocked at how it ended, even though it wasn't that surprising how yeah. it ended. They go it for it. They stab you, and then they twist the knife. Yeah. They're like, look at how young these kids were. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it was intense. I could really tell that they were going for, like, accolades and awards with this, that Mm -hmm. they didn't just want to make a horror movie. They kind of wanted a movie to say something, you know what I mean? Yeah. I really did think it it said something, though. I think they, they got their point across of kind of the tragicness of this story. And I was also really shocked 
at some of the misogynistic language used in this film. And it's shown yeah. in a bad light, so yeah. the director really wanted to say something about, you know, misogyny and how often it's misplaced and fucked up. Yeah, it's not shown as, like, this is how it should be. It's, yeah. it's being like, look at how, like, horrible and fucked up this is. Pretty much! <laughs> yeah. So I really liked that note of it. I also was very thrown off by all of the mythology, and I actually really liked that. I've never heard of a crossu before. I've never even heard of this concept of something happening. The imagery that it used of both the male and the female crossu was very interesting. I've never heard of a concept like this before. Yeah, I mean, we're we're two white girls from Florida. Yeah. But this was a very interesting supernatural creature. Almost, like, Lovecraftian in its design. Mm -hmm. And usually things like this, if it was, like, a Western story, it'd be, like, a werewolf. But yeah. this, I feel like this is, like, so much more, like, sci-fi. Yeah. And cool. It definitely has... The Asian horror elements that you come mm -hmm. to expect from Asian horror films. And we're not super familiar with them, but I could definitely tell some of the beats of the movie is very classically Asian horror. I really enjoyed it. It was not what I expected from brief synopsis that Netflix gives you. It definitely caught my eye because it's like, it's a love triangle and she's a demon. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm the, the Netflix one was like, by day, she's just a girl with like two guys fighting over her. By night, she's a bloodthirsty demon. <laughs> yeah, so I definitely put that on my list because I was like, A, what the fuck? B, I'm interested. <laughs> yeah, I really didn't have any expectations for this. I wasn't sure what we were getting ourselves into by watching this. I honestly wasn't expecting it to be full-blown horror. I thought yeah. it would be more like supernatural suspense. This is a full-blown horror film. And there are no jump scares. Yeah, there really aren't any jump scares. I would say if I had to, like, do a subgenre, would, it would maybe be like a horror drama. Mm -hmm. Because the whole movie isn't just like, oh, it's so creepy. Like, <laughs> if it eventually goes more into their relationship. And how the horror elements interact with the relationship. And there's some drama and mystery in there, too. So I just thought it was a pretty multifaceted movie. It was a lot more than I expected it to be. I was expecting, like, way worse than that. Yeah. So it exceeded my expectations because I went in with very low expectations. But is it an Academy Award winner? Probably not. But... I still liked it, and we got more out of it than we expected. Yes, and I will say that the CGI effects were very impressive. Mm -hmm. Some parts more than others. I feel like the, the Karasu, the floating head entities, were way better done than the male versions. Yeah, the male, <laughs> the male version, I think, was a little bit cringy because of costuming. Because they didn't use a lot of CGI with the male Karasu. I think it was a lot of costuming. And it almost seemed a little rushed in yeah. the, just the, I guess, how they envisioned the male crosssuit to look and then that coming to life on screen. Was that executed very well? It kind of looked like, like Wolfman suits kind of in that respect. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's just more like visually pleasing and just more effective because you have like a floating head, but like 
they had to animate all the hair that is like being in motion. It's like they're underwater almost. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that it just looked way more impressive and more interesting than the male versions, which did kind of look like Wolfman suits. Yeah. But that is all we'll say about that. Yeah. (laughs) It it was that quality. It was like B-movie Wolfman suit. That's the, (laughs) that's the kind of visual that I got from it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So let's do our ratings. So we are just going to rate the plot right now from one to five. One being the worst, five being the best. Just the plot. I would say there were a few plot holes that I wasn't a huge fan of. But overall, I like the tragic way in which they ended the movie and how they threaded it along and built it up. So I would give it a three and a half. I would give it a four out of five. I thought that the elements of the horror story really worked well with the elements of their love triangle. But I didn't like that there was basically magic beans in this movie. <laughs> that was I such a plot. About the magic beans. <laughs> that was such a plot hole. It was a plot device, but it was poorly executed. Yeah. Literal magic beans. <laughs> like. Okay, so let's rate the acting. I would say that the plot did a lot of work, and the acting was okay. I would say like a two and a half out of five. Okay, if we're just going to rate the lead girl, Sai, she's fucking five. She was really good. Yeah. Everyone else was kind of like at a two. <laughs> I, I, I would agree with that, because she, she did a really good job for being the main actress of this film, but everybody else, like, honestly, kind of <laughs> phoned it the fuck in. Like... <laughs> She was very expressive, and I felt like the boys were just kind of like, I'm a boy who's in love with a girl. (laughs) Towards the end, they both gave out good performances, but just two minutes of a performance versus, like, an hour and a half, you know? (laughs) Consistency. Yeah. But yeah, the the way that the the girl had to express and emote, like, basically having a seizure and her head dislodging, damn, she's going for it. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to write everything else. Cinematography lighting, score, anything else, one to five. I would say that it was actually really good for a number of reasons. And I'll give it a four out of five, but here's why. The only thing I really hated was the way they portrayed the male Krasu, but I really liked how they had dark scenes where you could still tell what the fuck was going on. Mm -hmm. Very important, very nice, because a lot of the movie was at night. I also really liked the entire CGI of the female Krasu. That was beautiful. And it was creepy, but also beautiful, which is a very hard line to balance on. I also thought the score was appropriately creepy without it being like, you know how in modern day horror films they have like weird, like subconscious tremor noises. (laughs) I'm not into that. I did like the very sorrowful creepy suspenseful music i feel like the music really straddled a fine line between is it creepy or is it sad that was really well done and i just think the whole set like the whole village i have an idea of what that looks like the witch's house is very identifiable i think they did a really really good job with all the set building especially because this is a movie made in 2019 that's supposed to look like it's from the 1940s so that is why i'm giving the cinematography, lighting, set, 4 out of 5. I think they did a really good job with all that. So I'm also going to give it a 4 out of 5. I completely agree with everything you said. 
Why I'm not giving it a 5 out of 5 is because, yes, the male Karasu design was not it. Yeah. <laughs> it was not it. And I really wanted more from the costuming department. We got a little bit of clues about the setting. I wish it was just more identifiable. Maybe it is to Thai viewers, but to two people who are not familiar with Thai history or Thai fashion, it was like, what is this? I'm confused. There was like a black and white portrait in the beginning of the movie, but that could literally be at any time, yeah. you know? The clothing was just so nondescript. I feel like they could have done more with the clothing to show the personalities of the main characters. Mm -hmm. They could have done more. Maybe as Sai is discovering that she is the Karasu, her clothing becomes like more and more red or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like that was an element that was missing, especially because the set design was so good and detailed. I just felt like, I don't know, they could have been doing more with that. Everyone kind of dressed the same, but I guess you could say that it's a poorer village. I get that, but still, I was like, it needed something. It was an element that wasn't utilized, as it could have been. Yeah. But everything else was really good. I mean, I have to give props to, like, any movie or show where it's nighttime and you can still see the people. <laughs> Clear as day. Yeah, you know exactly what's going on. They just use the blue filter. Ooh. I really hate movies where it's so dark you have no idea what the fuck is going on. Like, the episode of Game of Thrones where they're fighting. <laughs> the long the, night. Yeah. yeah. The long night. I'm just like, can someone turn on a fucking light in this room, please? <laughs> like, I had to watch it with the blinds drawn, all the lights off, like, two inches from my TV. Like, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. It hit a Starbucks cup. It was that dark that the editor couldn't even see that. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> Anywho's. So overall, we definitely recommend this movie. Yeah. It's available on Netflix, and um, it will probably be available other places as well. Yeah, and I, I don't think we mentioned this, but it is just under two hours long, so it's not a very, very long movie, but it's also not like a kids-like movie. But I'd say the pacing was good. It dragged a little bit at some points, but in general, it does keep your attention. Okay, let's finish out this episode with our weekly K-pop recommendations. My weekly K-pop recommendation is Clap Your Hands by To Anyone. My weekly K-pop recommendation is Sexuality by Taemin. Guys, thank you so much for listening to Soulmates Podcast. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash soulmatespodcast. You can find us on Tumblr at soulmatespodcast.tumblr.com. Check us out on Instagram at soulmatespodcast. Watch some of our videos on YouTube at Soulmates Podcast. Send us an email at soulmatespodcast at gmail.com. You can find our podcast anywhere podcasts are normally found. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, please subscribe or follow us so you're notified every time we release a new episode, which is every Friday, unless it is a holiday, or you guessed it, we're dead. <laughs> <laughs> or something comes up because we both work full time. <laughs> If you really enjoyed this episode and you'd like us to do more movie reviews, please let us know and leave us a tip on coffee.com. The minimum is $3 and we appreciate every dollar that you donate to us. We are very close to getting a soundboard so me and Emily can record on different microphones. We're going to be at SwampCon this year. It's in March. SwampCon.org. 
Go check it out. It's a free convention. We're going to have free buttons, new designs. They look awesome. We're going to post them on social media soon. So make sure you go pre-reg. It's a free convention in Gainesville, Florida. We'll see you all next Friday. Bye. Bye.